Hallelujah. Let's begin. It is good to see you here, second Sunday of the decade. It's good to see Sergio that sits up here. He's back there, but it's good to see him here today. Yeah, and the reason why is last week he was uh, having his appendix uh, emergency uh, taken out, you know, and he's down here at the hospital. We went visiting and he's saying, man, I am so glad that I just went ahead and went to the hospital, and so are we. And uh, aren't you glad that you live in these times? Instead of those wonderful times that everybody talks about out on the frontier, they can have those. I'll, I'll take the, the hospital around the corner. You know, as we're in the second week of the year, and we're in the year of 2020, and we're, we're talking about vision, here's before I preach, I want to kind of give you a uh, what's up for the church in in the coming weeks in the month of February and March? We're going to begin a Christian education study that I am so so excited for. I took all last week and, and began to uh, put together what we're going to be teaching, and it's on habits. Habits. You know, uh, a lot of times when you hear the the thing or somebody say this, that I can't wait until I get to this place. Anybody ever been guilty of that before? Like you're going on a vacation and you, you can't wait to get to the destination. I remember one time when Gwen and I were first married, my mother took us on a trip to the Bahamas. And that's right. This guy right here with the thumbs, he went to Bahamas. Bahamas. I can't even say it. Bahamas. Anyway, the Bahamas. And I remember we looked forward to that trip but I didn't realize until after we had gotten to the destination that the journey, the journey was better than the destination. We were, we had a blast in the Bahamas, but the hotel that we stayed in didn't have air conditioning. You, you, you guys are from Texas, aren't you? It wasn't that hot, but I mean, at the same time, it was kind of a swamp cooler and you kind of felt more wet than you did, you know, cool. And, and some of the things that we weren't expecting, even though it was fun, the, the destination, the anticipation looking for the time was really more fun than the destination. So here's what we're doing with habits. If I said this morning, how many of you have your New Year's resolutions? You might say, well, you know, Pastor, I, I don't do those anymore because what I found out for myself is some people will make a New Year's resolution and after about a couple of weeks they go, that's just, just, I'm not going to do it. it. You know that uh, memberships at the fitness center goes up, right? But only 20% of the people that sign up in January will continue through the year and sometimes they say even less than 20% will finish still exercising. So here's what I want you to understand, that it is the small little things. It's improving in our life 1% a day. It is the habits that's compound interest on our improving in our life. That, that's, that's big revelation. And you're going to go, well, I don't really get that. That's why I want you to be here all of February and all of March in February and March at 9.30 to about 10.15 during that Christian education, I'm going to begin teaching and going teaching things that really already is changing my life and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to share it with you and we're kind of excited about doing this because here's what I know is instead of looking forward to the goals completion, we should be more uh, 
focused on the trajectory of where we're going. If you are in an airplane and you move the 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 Rich could probably tell me more about this than I'm a poser on this, but they say if you move the the cockpit, if you can move just a little bit of a degrees when you take off, if you're heading to New York, just that little bit of off will probably put you in Washington, D.C. instead of New York. It's just a little bit off. In our habits, the things that we do every day, just the little things, just 1% of improvement will reach or, or we'll do a... a We'll, we'll see so much more improvement in our life than not. Now, I, I want you to see this because I think that sometimes in, in January we can get hopeful and excited and then by February we start losing that and March and, and June and July. It's kind of like the Cowboys. We always got next year, you know. <laughs> Where'd she go? The Philadelphia Eagles fan isn't in the room. Okay, good, good. Again, goals are important of setting a direction, but systems are best in making progress. Now, now listen to this, and, and I'm going to get my sermon here in a minute, but I want you to understand the, these things about habits. Winners and losers have the same goals. Isn't that true? Achieving goals is only a momentary change. Goals can restrict your happiness because you're not happy until you reach the goal. But it's in the daily habits that we're working on that we can see movement. True behavior changes is an identity change. In other words, instead of trying to achieve something, and what we're going to be talking about in February and March is the fact that instead of trying to change something, we're going to change ourselves and our identity. Let me give you an example. We'll look at it totally different than maybe you've looked at it in the past. The goal is not to read a book. The goal is to become a reader. The goal is not to run a marathon. The goal is to be a runner. The goal is not to learn an instrument. The goal is to become a musician. See, it's like somebody that's trying to create a good habit. It's, it can be reversed into breaking a bad habit in our life. You know, somebody that wants to have better health and they say, I'm not going to smoke this year. It's different than someone saying, hey, you want a cigarette? And they go, you know what? Uh, I'm trying to break that habit versus saying, no thanks, I'm not a smoker. Do you see where we're going here? So this year could change your life and begin a development into the best year of your life. We're going to give you some practical tools that on a daily basis that you can see motion take place in your life. I'm so excited about it. A lot of times people say, well, I want a better marriage. I want to be a better, let's say, husband. But then somebody could say, well, what are you doing? Well, I haven't left her yet. That's not a better husband. I want to. I want to be healthier. Past the jelly cream donut, you know. It, it is becoming. I am a healthy person, and because of those choices, you, you'll know that at the end of this, that it's the little things that we're going to be talking about that huge results come out of. It. it let me 
tell you, just in, let's take the area of spiritual things. When, when you talk about getting into the Word of God more, I think a lot of people get overwhelmed with the thought of reading the whole Bible through. You know, we, we've heard it before. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And in today's society, in the day that we live in, we have so many technical uh, things that can help us. Uh, if you don't have version on your iPhone, you're missing it. If you, version is the Bible app that will also, you can listen to it while you go down the road. Now, come on now. That's cool. Do you remember the 8-track? Okay. Do you remember the cassette? Or the CD player? And do you remember that every time you got in, it was somewhere in the car, but it wasn't where it should be? I'll do it next time. There's no way that phone isn't leaving your hand, your purse, or whatever, so you know exactly where it is. Pull it out, and depending on the car that you're driving, sometimes it'll even do it over the speakers. Look at us. We got the ability to listen to the Word of God in maybe just one chapter a day over the course of a year. Again, it's not just listening to the Word of God, but it's actually seeing it take place in your life. I want to, you might be here, ladies, and you say, you know what, I want to treat my husband better this year than I have ever treated him before. Can I get an amen from all the husbands? Quick. All right. A habit might be as little as, ladies, making the verbal choice, and I'm so glad I'm free today because Gwen's back with the kids. All right. It, it can it can be so little. It can be just, ladies, you saying, you, you're writing it down, you're tracking it, and you're saying, I love you, honey. See, that, that's a big step for some. It's a big step. But it's a little step. So again, I want to encourage you to be here in February, March, and I just want to kind of get into that right now, but we're going to get into this because I love, this, this is all a prerequisite as we go into the next step in what we're learning here at the chapel. Would you open with me now in prayer before I present the Word of God? God, this is 2020. God, we're so happy that we're here, breathing, alive. But God, we're asking for more this year. Through Your Word, we would like revelation and wisdom to be able to do life better and to some extent easier because we know that even though it might be hard, we know that in the end, that God, that the results are there because of your word. And your word says, if it costs us everything that we have to get wisdom, get wisdom. And so God, today, we're giving our time to be here in this place to hear your word presented over our life. God, now, encourage us. And give us the ability to process and to learn and to do Your Word. In Your name we pray. Amen. This is the third part of what makes you happy. You say, Pastor, I thought we started last week. The second part was presented in our Christian education. And that was this morning when Gwen taught. Next week we'll do part four. Gwen in the Christian education. I'll do part five. And then the sermon on the last week will be part six. Here's why we're doing this, is because all of us, if we know it or not, are on a happy quest. 
Usually what makes you happy, you'll repeat over and over and over again. That, that's why sometimes in our life we repeat the bad things because at that time, that initial, you know, kind of kick, that we want to repeat that feeling over and over. That's why people that will fall into a drug habit, they, they have a state change. And because of that state change, brings them to temporary happiness. They go, you know what? If I have to live under the bridge and I have to steal for But they realize, hopefully after a while, that that kind of happiness is not sustainable. It's like trying to fill the, you know, the uh, square peg with a round hole. You know, it just isn't going to do it. What is it? Square hole with a round peg. There you go. And and they're always looking for something to make them happy. And, And if you're not careful, that's where you fall. Sometimes we get in the habit of thinking that if we, come on, anybody buys some kind of clothing and at the initial purchase, you kind of feel better. You even maybe feel kind of good when you put it on the first time and you're going to look at me, huh? Huh? I wonder if Homer's going to notice my new shirt today when I come to church. He never does, by the way. We'll just leave that there. But there's always that temporary happiness, but we're always searching for something that's going to be sustainable. And in in this series, we're talking about something that is sustainable. And this morning, I want to kind of do a review real quick and then we'll get into it. What makes you happy? What did we talk about last week? What makes you happy? No thing. It's not about a thing, it's about a who. Or two. And that's true. I thought I'd run that out again because I didn't get much mileage out of it last week. It's it's about a who. It's not about a what. And then if you were here this morning during our Christian education, the second thing is what makes you happy is we realize that it's Christians believe in sowing to our happiness will be reaping to our happiness. It's a process. It's something that happens over time. It's not something that we just do this and boom, we're happy. It's a process that brings us to happiness. And really, you say, well, pastor, why do I need to be a part of a church? This is the culture that you're in today. That as Christians, we believe that sowing into our happiness will reap into happiness. So you're here in a group of people that believe that. And that moves us again in a trajectory that we want to go in. Now, as we go on, I want you to see this because we talked about it last week and I kind of, I, I wanted to go on with this idea of what makes us happy is people that are happy have peace. We're going to talk about that today. And, and I want you to process this as, as you are sitting here, but also when you leave and go home and you're sitting there in maybe bed tonight and you're thinking about, do, do I have peace? Because some of us have a lot of money. Some of us have the good looks. We have the nice car. We have the nice house. But we see other people that might not have what we have. And we go, if I was married to his wife, I wouldn't be happy like he is. Or if I had their income, boy, how are they happy? And we begin to realize it's not about the circumstances that are around us 
or in people's life that is actually putting them in a state of peace. That, that they're walking in happiness because of what they've chosen in their life to sow to and therefore reap to. Has anybody seen other people that you kind of almost envy? Not covet, because that'd be a sin. But you kind of look at them and you go, ooh, man, how, how are they so happy? I believe that this morning, I'm going to tell you why they're happy. We, we talked about it, but again, to refresh your memory, happy people are at peace with themselves. They're at peace with God, and they're at peace with other people. I know that we talked about this, and we know that if you're part of the chapel, every week we have halftime to promote that actual command of Jesus. We talked about it. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The, the thing that we're going to be majoring on today is you cannot be in love with God. You cannot be in love with yourself or other people and not be in peace. Watch this. This morning, if you're a Christian, you are asked and, and to, to, to follow Jesus and to believe that our connection, our, our being in peace with God will pave the way to be in peace with ourselves and to peace with others. We, we, we said this, and I keep saying it because I want you to put last week with this together is when we're at peace with God, we have to step into being a follower of Christ. That, that's called a disciple, a disciplined learner of Jesus Christ. It's not the easiest, easiest thing that you'll do in your life, but when you make that decision, then these things that God says, if you love me, you'll do the things that I've asked you to do. But in doing that, you're sowing to what I say is the best. Now watch when you reap it. Watch if you don't have a, not only a smile on your face, but there will be a contentment that will pass all the people that are trying to fill their hearts with all these other things. It's not going to work for them. And the more I thought about this, it's something that's a little bit of a conflict. In the nature of resistance, there's two things that create friction with God and being at peace with God. And, you know, there's times when I say, God help me, because when, when there's a conflict, I, I want to do what John Miller says, you know? Don't we all? It's all about this guy. But when we're a disciplined follower of Jesus Christ, we don't have the option. We've already given our life away to say, okay, God, what you've said in my life, I'll be obedient. The question is, right now in your life, are you walking in that obedience? This morning I want to talk about the conflict of sin in general and, and what sin is about, and then also about your sin. What's in your life right now? And the possibility of that's keeping you from peace with God, with others, and even maybe peace with yourself. This morning, does anybody know what nation I was born into? I'm an American. Some of them go, what? How many people were born in America? How many people were born in Texas? <laughs> we were born in America, and we became... 
Don't you love it when they jump the gun? I'll give you the picture. This is a passport that proves when I go to another country of my citizenship as an American. Now, it wasn't fair. I didn't have a choice. Everybody with me? Everybody's focused on that. That's why I blocked off the number for all of you guys out there that are going right there, right there. But it's not fair. It wasn't my choice where I was born. But because I was born in America, there's, there's rights and privileges that go with that. There's some negative things that go with that. But the truth of the matter is, I'm an American. One of the, I guess, things of American, the negative, is I only know one language. English. When you go to another country, man, it's amazing. Everybody knows three or four languages. And, you know, I was privileged to go to to France this year. And, and I, I I always, you know, I go up to the, the counter and in the morning and bonjour. You know, that's all I know, but I, I have it. Bonjour. And they go, and I go, I know charades. And then after a while, I'll throw in a gracias. Oh, sorry, wrong country. And because of that, you know, there's positives of being an American. We're blessed and all that. But I want you to understand, just because we're talking about spiritual things, it can be fair. It can it cannot be fair, but it's still truth. When we're talking about the conflict of sin that is in our life, the Bible says that we were born in the nation of sin. It's not fair. You didn't choose it. I didn't choose it. But that's where we're at. Now, now if you have your Bibles, look at Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Now, here's Paul. And, and he's going to kind of... This is the sin that came into the world. And, and this is where it starts. This is the conflict that we deal with in being happy in our life and being at peace. In Romans chapter 5, it says this, verse 12, Therefore, just as sin entered into the world, so there was a time, an interpoint, through one man, if you're a Christian, you believe that in one man, Adam, it says, through one man, sin entered, and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people. You know that during sinning, it separates people. And there's death. Some people this morning are going into a relationship and you're killing it because of the sin that is in your life or killing your health because you know something that you shouldn't be doing you're doing it. Or even killing your job, your career, because of the sin that is taking place in your life that is acting out in your job situation. Where there is sin, you could say, it equals death. Paul is saying in Romans chapter 5 that there is an inner point through Adam where sin came into the world and when sin came, so did death. I don't know if you grew up in church, but I remember being in children's church and they had this illustration, this this picture of a cliff and, and on one side man was and on the other side was God. And sin was the separation, the chasm or the, the valley that you couldn't get to God because of the sin of man. This morning, I want you to see, this is kind of what also in children's church they would present. Show them the next picture. And how Jesus came to die on the cross for us and created a bridge 
that allowed man to go to God. Now, now watch this. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, again, Paul is saying, guys, guys, listen. He says, God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness. I, I love this, that here's Jesus Christ, and He is going to rescue mankind from the, the kingdom of darkness. I mean, you, you, can, you can't get any better in Hollywood. And really, I believe that if, if you go back to movies and the creation of movies and Hollywood and early America and how they did these movies, is they played on this whole thought of the good guy and the bad guy and how the good guy comes in and rescues an underdog or somebody that's in uh, turmoil or in a spot of no return, and the good guy comes in and rescues them. They played out what actually happens in our life as believers, and I believe the Christian influence in the movie world played that out. Anybody grow up watching westerns and, and, and you saw the white hat being the what? Good guy or bad guy? Good guy. And, and he would come in and he would rescue the day. This is what Paul is saying. Jesus, or God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into Jesus' kingdom where there's redemption and forgiveness of sin. When somebody redeems something, they restore back to the original condition of that item. And that's what Jesus did to us. So if you look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1, again, I want to show you how sin came into the world. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified, well, I don't feel justified. You didn't behave your way out of it. Do, do you hear me? You, What you did was you accepted what Jesus Christ did for you, and He declares you're justified. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace. Did anybody hear that? Sit with me. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access. So you could say that peace with God begins with faith in Christ. How are we going to get to God? There, there's sin in, life, in our life. It was through Jesus justifying us, forgiving us of our sins, that we have access For forgiveness and redemption, therefore we have a relationship with God. Now, watch this. Me going to a different country and trying to speak their language and accent and kind of act like them is as crazy as people that are trying to act like they are Christians but have never received Jesus Christ into their life. You cannot behave your way or act your way into forgiveness or redemption. You have to receive what Jesus did for us. Now, now that, that's, again, that's the universal sin. That's how sin came into the world. But here's what I'm going to talk about just in the next few minutes. This is the conflict with our sin in our own life. And there's a constant wrestling back and forth when we want to just you know we we fight against the flesh. You know there was there was uh, times in my I have four children and 
they're all adults. And there were times that I realized that I was going to walk into the room and disrupt the peace that we had between each other. And it was one of the hardest things that I would do as a father. Because I realized that peace at any cost wasn't good for the child. See, what they would want is they go, Dad, it's okay. I want to stay out until all hours of the night and you be happy about it. Dad, we want to have all our friends over and, and our kids were good, but I'm, I'm, I'm making a point, you know, that, that we want to have our friends over and just have a big party and you don't mind cleaning up afterwards, do you, Dad? All the parents are going to getting a tick, you know? And, and I would have to say, no. And the things that I realized as a father, I had to say no to to break that. At those moments, they didn't have any better ally in their whole life than me. But they didn't comprehend that because all of us have had points in our life where our parents became our enemies because of our disagreement with who they were or what they were choosing as the best way for us. Now, in talking about the sin in our life that we sometimes we realize or all the time the conflict that goes on between us and, and doing the right thing and, and we're like, it just... It just God's love is too strong to simply go along with whatever we want to do. When God is explaining the best way for you and I, see, it's going to be something that we have to choose to sow into our life in order to reap happiness. For our God to explain to us who He is, come on, there's, He created over 600 kinds of beetles alone. He created our bodies. He, he, let me say this. He obliged His explanation on our capacity. If a child asks, Daddy, where do babies come from? It depends on the age of the child of what you tell them. Because of how much that they can comprehend. And see, sometimes we get to a place where we go, just let us know, God, because we can get we can figure it out. No. And Jesus describes it. Here's what he says. If you could just trust him, ready? as the perfect, loving Father for you. If you could just trust Him. There's going to be things that we go in conflict with Him, and we go, you know what, God, I don't know why that's in my life. I don't know why she, you know, I didn't... I, I. Sometimes we, just simply to have peace with God, have to trust Him. 
God, you know the best for me. Another situation is when we get in our really get in a habit of just not loving one another. And the sin begins to be active in our life, that disobedience, you know, with one another. And I think that sometimes the more that we even know less about each other, we think that we're better off. Because the more that I'm in your life and I know things that I don't like, then there's chance for that conflict and that sin. So our our country, if we're not careful, we begin to develop a, a mode of operation where we really don't want to get close to each other. Oh, we all long for the days if you ever watched the Waltons and you know how they knew everybody in their community and loved. Oh, we all long, but when it comes to us, we always go, you know what? Let me go to the largest church I can because I won't know anybody and I can get in and get out. Nobody even knows what I'm doing. But come on, you go to this church. <laughs> Especially if you go to Christian education and they go, well, what do you think about it? A discussion group. You, you begin to develop a relationship with people. And, and if, if we're not careful, we know that we have a conflict if we live with somebody. What's the chance of having conflict if you live with somebody? 100%. There's only one exception, and that's Gwen and I. <laughs> little, little humor. Okay. Here's John, the Apostle John, and he's getting older in his life. He's the only disciple that really survived and died, if you want to say natural death, instead of being actually executed or uh, stoned, whatever. Uh, and... Here's John and he's an older man and they've asked him to write it down probably in, in the what we call the little Johns at the end of the Bible, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. And, and in, in this passage of Scripture is found in 1st John chapter 1, verse 6. And, and I could see this John, you know, he, he's a guy that's the beloved of Jesus. He's the one that camped out with Jesus. He's the one that knew Jesus. And, and, and can we trust him that he knew Jesus? And, and he could give us some advice. And here's what he says. <laughs> he's not going to mess around. It's kind of like the brother Jesus James, kind of in your face. Here it is. If we claim to have fellowship, in other words, if we claim to have peace with God and yet walk in darkness, did you hear that? If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. If, if we say, God, what is it that we need to do with one another? I want you to walk in love with them. I want you to hold them up, even though you don't agree with I'm not doing it. I am not doing it. New. Nope. God says, you're lying to yourself that you're not in relationship. He goes on in another chapter in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 20. He goes to say, whoever claims to love God, ooh, this one just burns, doesn't it? Anyone who claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. John, I'm old, I don't have time, I've got to make it clear. He probably says, 
Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. In other words, you can't have peace if you're warring against or warring with people. That includes your husband or your wife or your children or your boss. Fill in the blank. So let me summarize it. And I'll dismiss. Peace with God begins with faith in Christ. And then peace with God is sustained by submission to Christ. Disobedience and sin leads to separation. In a moment, I'm going to give you a chance you that have never received Jesus Christ in your life to do that. This is the first part of the year and you might be going through life and you say, Pastor, man, I just feel like I'm never happy. I I realized when you said this sermon about being born in the nation of sin, you know, because I just just feel so err all the time. I'm not at peace. I'm going to give you an opportunity just to this morning, receive Jesus Christ in your life. I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to have you come down front. Because in making a decision like that, you're going to have to live it out and make a choice. Now this morning, I'm going to talk to you also that are Christians that have made that decision. And I'm going to ask you, are you at peace with God? Is there something that's going on in your life that you know that isn't right? Right now, the Holy Spirit's bringing those things in your mind. You say, no, I'm not at peace with God. There's things that have to change in my life. Decisions that we make. We all are on a happy quest. And this morning I want to remind you that it's a a sowing, a process, and then a reaping of the happiness and it begins with peace with God peace with yourself and peace with others you know probably about I don't know somewhere around 20 years ago maybe a little longer that the church had a kind of a October 30th fall fun festival kind of hayride if you've ever been on one of those and we were at some people's house out in Haslett, and back then that was the country. I mean, that was like way out. And all the adults were in the uh, garage of the house and out into the driveway, and we had tables set up and chairs and lights. And and all the children, were, there wasn't a whole lot of them, but they were in the house, actually in the house playing. And and we had we had three children at that time, Luke, Heath, and Mark, and Brooke wasn't there yet, but here, the youngest one was Mark, and he was in diapers, and he was barely walking, and one of the older teenager girls kind of was taking care of him, and, you know, toting him around, and having a good day, and, and, and we were in the garage, and then Gwen was about ready to leave, and, and she said, well, Let's go and you know how you do, moms, that you get the kids together and got the diaper bags and everything. And 
and we couldn't find Mark. And, and you know, it's kind of funny at first, you know, we're all like, where is he? And then a couple of minutes turned into 10 minutes and where's Mark? We don't know. We haven't seen him. You don't know where Mark is? Now remember, this is out in the dark. I mean, it's country. And they didn't have street lights. They didn't have any way really, probably about 30 feet from the house started getting pretty dark. And the the kind of the, the road out in front of the house, there was people that would go about 40 miles an hour and there were people from the church leaving and coming and so forth. And well, where's Mark? No, no, you had Mark, didn't you? Yeah, I had him, but I don't have him now and I haven't seen him in a while. And and when it when it you don't know the line, but when when the line is crossed, when you realize, uh oh, there there's a problem. You can imagine those parents that have lost children, you know, and we didn't know if he he maybe walked out and got hit by a car. Who knows? And um, as we were asking the kids, have you seen Mark? Have you seen Mark? One of them said, well, I saw a guy come up. And just enough that you go, oh no. He, yeah, he drove up. And, and I remember as we were looking around, and then Gwen began to become lit up. I mean, she was ready to... And I'm trying to hold it together because I'm trying to hold her together. And we began to... She began to cry and 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 Koi was there and Koi's got her and trying to hold her together and I'm running as far as I can out so that I can look back at the house and we're yelling, Mark, Mark! I mean, we, we, we're at that now point of... It's, it felt like two days later, but really it had only been about 10 minutes, 20 minutes. And somebody came out of the house and said, we found him. He was asleep behind the couch. Now, now, when we found him, we weren't mad. We were relieved, grateful. See, sometimes we don't realize of what Jesus did for us in paying the price to come to seek and to save us, the lost. Our God doesn't look at you and say, you better walk the narrow line or I'm not going to be your father anymore. If you make a commitment to Jesus Christ, the Bible says that He's the one that died for our sins. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that brings us into His kingdom for redemption and forgiveness of sins. So this morning, the Bible says that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we ask for forgiveness of our sins, that Jesus Christ will come in and be Lord of our life. And that is the sowing and walking that out brings the peace into our life with God. And when we walk in that peace of God that we are forgiven, then we can love ourselves. Oh, pastor, I've done wrong. No, no, no. You didn't do it. God forgave you. And your sin 
You have every right to be. Oh, but it's not you. If you receive Jesus, then you have the opportunity to say, I'm forgiven. I'm redeemed. What I found out is people that can't get over that, if they can't then love themselves, it's hard for them to love others because they don't trust God forgave them of their sins this morning. If you have never made Jesus Christ your Lord, I'm going to give you a chance to have and make peace with God. And this morning, if you're a Christian and you say, you know, Pastor, there's things in my life. I'm going to ask you, are you at peace? Because you can be in peace with God right now. Just close your eyes just for a minute. Not that everybody isn't looking around, but mostly just that you have a time to process in your own mind what has been talked about today. That you can come to terms with God loved you so much that He died for you, that your sins are forgiven if you receive Him. And in receiving Him, then you can forgive yourself, have peace with yourself. And then in having peace with yourself, then you can have peace with others. And this morning, right where you are, if you say, Pastor, that's for me. Then just right where you're at, I want to ask you to say, God, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to make you Lord of my life. This morning, right where you sit, today is a new day. This is 2020 vision when you're looking forward of what's coming in this year. You start today in sowing that peace that will bring happiness. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God.